Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VHW. This activity is supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Taiho Oncology Europe GmbH. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on cholangiocarcinoma. This activity comprises two presentations, featuring Professor Frédéric Penaud-Yorker and Professor John Bridgewater. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Frédéric Penaud-Yorker. I am a molecular pathologist and head of the molecular biology platform at Centre Jean Perrin in Clermont-Ferrand, France. Welcome to this activity uh, discussing the role of molecular testing in cholangiocarcinoma. Joining me in this discussion is my colleague, Professor John Bridgewater. He's a gastrointestinal oncologist with a special interest in cholangiocarcinoma from University College London in UK. During this presentation, we will discuss the importance of molecular testing in cholangiocarcinoma and how we can optimize its use. So please, John, first of all, give us some uh, insights on uh, cholangiocarcinoma. Um, thanks very much, Frederic. So cholangiocarcinoma is the second most common primary hepatic uh, malignancy, second to hepatocellular cancer. It's about 15% uh, of all primary tumors, 3% of all gastrointestinal cancers, and uh, particularly the intrahepatic uh, cancers increasing in incidence for reasons we're not entirely sure about. There's great variation in the incidence. It's uncommon in the Western developed world, but much more common in particular parts of Southeast Asia where the etiology is related to liver flukes causing chronic inflammation, as, as well as chronic viral hepatitis. Uh, that they play a major part in the etiology as well. So we like to divide our cholangiocarcinomas up into three types, the intrahepatic cholangiocarcinomas, so those rising in the body of the liver from the small uh, biliary, tree, uh, biliary, biliary vessels, those uh, at the hilum of the liver, so where the large bile ducts join, and uh, extrahepatic uh, cholangiocarcinomas, so those, those, those arising in the biliary duct uh, outside of the liver, um, primarily in the body of the pancreas. The, the latter two, the, the hyla uh, or perihyla as, as it's known in, the, um, in, in ICD-11, ICD and the distal cholangiocarcinomas are often referred to as extrahepatic cholangiocarcinomas. The diagnosis of cholangiocarcinoma is often difficult uh, to make because of the uh, anatomy, uh, growth patterns, and lack of specific diagnostic criteria. So if you find a lump in the liver, which is, for instance, CK7 and uh, CK7 positive and CK20 negative, it could be a metastasis from any uh, upper gastrointestinal cancer. And uh, often uh, it's difficult to distinguish that both radiologically and on the basis of even histochemistry from other potential, uh, other potential malignancies. The symptoms are often uh, 
very vague, uh, particularly with intrahepatic tumors. And uh, indeed, if you have symptoms, uh, if you begin to have symptoms of abdominal pain from an intrahepatic laryngocarcinoma, the tumor is often quite big, it's quite advanced, and the outlook is really not so good. And I think that um, recently um, it, um, it has been published that, uh, uh, with molecular studies that up to 20 to 25 percent of uh, liver-involved cancer of unknown primary are in fact true intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. And uh, this is really a very import important point, stressing uh, the importance of uh, the molecular testing. And uh, um, this really uh, shows us that maybe the incidence of intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma will arise also because of proper diagnosis in the future. Um, and uh, uh, looking to the molecular alterations is really very important because especially in intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, we have around 50% of the cases with a targetable alterations. So in terms of frequency, we have EDH1 and FGFR2 alteration, EDH1 mutation, FGFR2 translocation, that are uh, around 20% each. Um, and then we have other alterations like an MSI profile, like an ER2 alteration, ER2 amplification or mutation, like NTREC gene fusions or BRAF uh, mutations that could be targetable. So this is extremely important to offer a molecular testing for the patient with cholangiocarcinoma. And the first uh, tricky point, which I'm sure a lot of you come across in your daily practice is, uh, when should we be testing for targetable mutations or alterations in cholangiocarcinoma? What's the best time to do it? What do you think, Frederic? I think that we should, uh, we should take the patient as early as possible because we know that it's a, a disease of extremely poor prognosis. And for that, I, I, I have really the, I'm convinced that we shouldn't restrict uh, the molecular testing to the intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, but also extend it to the other type of cholangiocarcinoma, the extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. What is, what is your, uh, your opinion on, on that, uh, John? I completely agree. The, uh, although the intrahepatics are the, uh, have the most in the way of actionable alterations, approaching 50%, the extrahepatic tumors probably have something in the region of 30, 35% of actionable alterations. So it's really, it's really important to test all cholangiocarcinoma. And, and it, I would argue it is so important not to miss one of these actionable alterations uh, to really make the most of personalized oncology for these, for these patients. And, and for that, I'm in favor of a reflex testing. The only thing that I don't know as a pathologist is if the patient is fit for treatment or not. How does it, it, it works in, in UK right now? So in the UK, uh, it's, it's an evolving process, but I'm trying to, I'm telling my, all my colleagues that, uh, that reflex testing should be the rule for patients who are sufficiently fit to have treatment. So in the multidisciplinary meeting, 
uh, which in which all of these patients are discussed. We have a box on the outcome form that we tick or do not tick saying fit for treatment, not fit for treatment. And if the patient is fit for treatment, then uh, screening for actionable alterations should be reflex. What's your experience uh, in your Frederick? I would say that uh, in France, uh, we had a consensus meeting on cholangiocarcinoma stating that uh, we should uh, uh, test as early as possible. I think that unfortunately, um, in community hospitals, in small centers, Usually, the patients are, um, are diagnosed at very late stage, and, and usually they are not tested, uh, which is really a pity. I think that as clinicians, uh, um, as a clinician, you, you really have a, a, an enormous role in terms of education for the community for really having a, an early diagnosis for those patients. Yes, I think education really is going to be an ongoing issue, particularly, as you say, for those smaller centres out there where we, where perhaps uh, understanding of the potential benefits from, from treating these actionable alterations, uh, they are, the, the, the knowledge about this is not uh, as evenly spread as it should be. And so it's really our job, you and I, amongst others, to educate our colleagues about how important it is to, to do the test uh, in order to find the alteration to best benefit the patient. I, I completely agree. And, and uh, those, those um, colleagues from uh, small hospitals, they can also connect uh, remotely to our multidisciplinary tumour boards and uh, uh, this is also where we can increase the, uh, the level of uh, molecular, molecular testing. Well, if I summarize uh, our discussion, um, cholangiocarcinoma is a rare biliary tract uh, cancer, but it has a rising incidence and it's going to rise um, also because of uh, obesity, diabetes, all those inflammatory lesions in the liver in our, uh, in our countries. Uh, and also because of a proper diagnosis. Um, and uh, the other thing is that we really need to train our colleagues um, to uh, um, uh, diagnose earlier those uh, tumors, because when it's too, too late, when the patient is no longer fit for treatment, it's really, it's really a pity if this patient has uh, uh, actionable alterations. Um, and, and those actionable uh, uh, molecular alterations, they really had opened a new therapeutic avenues for patients in, in, with cholangiocarcinoma. One out of two is, is a huge number of patients. We don't have that in many tumor types. And uh, this is also in favor of uh, prompt molecular testing, ideally at diagnosis, ideally reflex testing. And this really requires a collaboration and communication along the, uh, the different members of the multidisciplinary tumor uh, team, tumor board, sorry. Um, with that, uh, I really thank you for watching uh, this uh, educational session. And please join us to the next session where we will discuss practical aspects in molecular testing, including advantages and disadvantages of the different testing assays Hi, this is uh, John Bridgewater. I'm a GI uh, oncologist at the UCL Cancer Institute in London. And uh, welcome to this 
activity discussing the role of molecular testing in cholangiocarcinoma. Joining me is my colleague, Professor Frederic Penolaka, a molecular pathologist and head of the molecular biology platform at the Centre uh, Jean Perrin uh, in Clermont-Ferrand uh, in France. Uh, so, um, Frederic, could you start us off with how, uh, how you would uh, collect your sample for cholangiocarcinoma? Thank you, John. Um, first of all, um, we have to give the right diagnosis before starting anything. And usually uh, we uh, use, um, uh, we have a material that is a, a liver puncture biopsy. So um, uh, usually those samples are uh, formalin fixed and paraffin embedded. Uh, when we uh, um, have, are sure of the diagnosis, when we have excluded uh, metastasis or primary liver cancer, we can start the investigation for the molecular alterations. John, what are the most frequent molecular alterations, targetable molecular alterations that we can find in those cholangiocarcinoma? Thank you, Frederick. Well, the two, the two most common alterations are the IDH1 point mutations. These are always uh, arginine mutations, although the partner can vary. And then the FGFR fusions. And we ha uh, both uh, approximately 10%, 10 to 15% of all intrahepatic uh, cholangiocarcinomas. The IDH1 mutations, uh, as I said earlier, come with a number of partners. Uh, mostly found in intrahepatic cholangiocarcinomas, and uh, the interestingly, the sensitivity of each of these uh, partners to the drugs that we have currently available varies. Frederic, can you tell us please about the FGFR2 fusions? For FGFR2 um, uh, and also for NTREC, um, the, the, the activation is by fusions. Um, the FG, FGFR2 fusions uh, are found in 15 to 20% of uh, intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, and they are usually exclusive from EDH1 mutations. We have a lot of fusion partners, and uh, a point that will be very important when we will look at the different techniques is that in 50% of the cases, the fusion are intrachromosomal. We have also and track uh, uh, gene uh, um, uh, fusions, they are extremely rare. Um, but when we find them, uh, the patients are eligible to untrack inhibitors. And uh, um, we also have to keep in mind that uh, uh, we have uh, uh, microsatellite instability. And uh, this is also uh, important for the patient because they can be eligible to uh, immunotherapy. So, Frederic. Uh, please take us through the different tests you have available uh, for the various targets that we're looking for and perhaps give us a feel for which you think are the best tests. So, in fact, knowing that we have all those different actionable alterations, uh, uh, we have uh, several approaches that we can use. Immunostochemistry could be appropriate for screening for NTREC uh, uh, gene fusion, but we need to confirm biomolecular uh, biology. So for in situ hybridization, uh, it's, it's a, a, a technique that can be used to, to look at fusions. Uh, we use break-apart probes, so we are, we are not looking to the partner, but we are looking within the genes. But 
we have a risk of false negative, especially uh, with FGFR2, because many uh, of uh, the uh, uh, translocation, the, the rearrangement are intrachromosomic. So in molecular biology, uh, we have simple tests like, like uh, PCR tests, PCR or RT-PCR. Uh, but those tests are um, limited because you have to pre-design and you cannot extend the number of alterations you are looking at. So nowadays, the preferred methodology um, is uh, uh, NGS, Next Generation Sequencing. And then we have the liquid biopsy. Um, the liquid biopsy is something that we can use if we don't have enough tissue left. And it's also something that we can use uh, for monitoring the disease. And, and then we have two different possibilities for NGS, looking at DNA and RNA. DNA is okay when you uh, are looking to um, mutations, to point mutations, to copy number variation. So um, for uh, um, uh, fusions, and it's very important in cholangiocarcinoma, as we have seen, um, it's better to use NGS RNA. In the UK, we we have a situation where patients have both DNA and RNA tests done on their material. Um, is that is that does that is that possible um, in, in 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 France? It's possible, and it's it's uh, cholangiocarcinoma is um, I would say like uh, uh, non-small cell lung cancer. It's a type of tumor where we run systematically in parallel uh, RNA and DNA uh, uh, testing because we know that we can have uh, a very relevant uh, gene fusions for treatment. So it's also, uh, uh, I agree completely with you, John, it's very important to, uh, to keep that in mind, not only to do uh, DNA testing. When we look at uh, um, those um, um, NGS RNA, we have different approach, hybrid capture, classical implicant-based uh, approach or encored uh, multiplex PCR. Um, I will not recommend to use the classical implicant because it's less sensitive for fusion. It's really better to use either hybrid capture or encored PCR. But John, now what are the type of alterations that are really the most important right now for the treatment for the patients? So the thank you. Um, so really, the the the, the, the 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 alterations for which we have the best data currently are the IDH one mutations and the FGFR two fusions, um, and and also increasingly uh, large amounts of data on the BRAF on the BRAF mutations. Um, the, there are now multiple studies looking at uh, the uh, other potential targets such as HER2. Um, NTRAC, of course, is now uh, already recognized as a valid target. So uh, if, you, if you add all these up, then the options in terms of actionable alterations for our patients with intrahepatic angiocarcinoma, it's, 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 these alterations are, you should not miss any of these alterations because it makes such a big difference. And the chances of finding one is, is really quite high. 50% is probably higher than in most other cancers. And what do you think, um, should we use NGS upfront? Or do you think that uh, um, there is a, a room for sequential testing? 
That's that's a really good question. Um, financially, I think it, it makes really most sense to do your DNA test first. Um, after all, uh, that takes that requires uh, less material, and will cover the vast majority of the alterations that you can that you can action. The RNA-based uh, test we really only currently looks for the FGFR fusions, the NTRAC fusions, and potentially the BRAF fusions in the future. So a relatively small number. It depends on your center, but most places would now go for a DNA-based test first, and then if negative, continue to the RNA-based test following that. That's also true that we can also see and diagnose some fusions already on the DNA. We can miss some of them, as I said, uh, like the NTREC, uh, some of the NTREC gene fusions or some of the FGFR2, but some of them we can see them already on DNA. So maybe we can stop also if we have a fusion uh, uh, already present with a targetable uh, uh, alteration uh, in the uh, DNA. So in summary then, uh, thank you very much, Frederic. Um, we do have different molecular alterations that have been detected in cholangiocarcinoma, some of which are targetable. It's very important to test for these alterations as it may, uh, in, uh, may detect alterations that we can treat with uh, commonly available drugs or in clinical studies. The techniques that we use and the and the technical aspects of how we do the test is extremely important. Uh, thank you very much, Frederic. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.